I'm so glad we pressed that stop hissing button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good now. Like, I don't know. There's literally a button that all it does is make a hiss. <laughs> like <laughs> Apparently. it just buzzes. We had Tom Karosik all scheduled to come over to diagnose yeah. and do. Produce this for us. Yes, exactly. And then we just hit the non-buzz button. Yeah. I always reference, uh, like, if something's wrong with the car, like, I'm not going to be able to do anything, but I remember an old cartoon where, like, somebody opened the hood up, mm-hmm. and it was just a giant toggle switch that said, like, broken and fixed. Nice. And they fixed it, and that's what I've always, like, envisioned the only thing that I could do if a car was wrong. Nice. Uh, my brother, on the other hand, is, like, exactly, like that's what he does for a living is car stuff. Okay. So, like, I remember one day we're, like, backing up, and he's, like, waving, like stop you're gonna run over a kid or something right like frantically sure and he was like i think you need an oil change turn your car off and he was like dipped it and then like licked the oil he was like yeah you need an oil change <laughs> like <laughs> he legit heard it Ugh. he heard it and was like mm, yeah like you see in the, the stupid thing in movies where like they taste poop or whatever to see yeah, yeah that's exactly what he did he beautiful mind your oil change. Yes, that's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty special. Uh, have you heard? Uh, I, have you heard about the guy who got licked by a dog, and now uh, he ain't got no arms or legs no more. No, uh, it was some sort of bacteria or something. Something, and then another woman uh, got a blood infection and died. I don't know, uh, but it's like this crazy story, and. <laughs> I'm a really bad person, but a friend of mine described it as getting devoltroned today, and it was the most apt and hilarious and sad and hilarious description of losing your arms and legs that I could think of. I don't get it. Voltron? Voltron? Voltron is a bunch of robots coming together to form a giant robot. Okay. Think of it like the... Uh, uh, like the, Megazoid. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I get Except it. Except it's pre-Megazoid. I'm with you now. Uh, Is it Megazoid? That sounds... Zord. Megazord. Zord. It sounded close, but not there. Zord. All right. Uh, there's like an old wives' tale, and my mom definitely subscribed to it, that like, uh, if you have a wound, let the dog lick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like the logic being dogs lick their wounds and they heal quickly. Yeah. Uh not scientifically based in fact at all no as the quadruple amputee would tell you <laughs> yeah it could it could be bad you could be like well we don't have a dog but we have this pet komodo dragon yeah. so <laughs> those are i get am kind of fascinated by them like very much a guy in very few ways but going to the zoo like i'm amazed by uh komodo dragons and alligators and crocodiles mm-hmm. like anything that looks prehistoric to me because what the fuck is a crocodile or an alligator other than a dinosaur yeah that's basically what they are uh what do you how do you describe a komodo dragon they're not venomous no but their spit has fleshing bacteria in it so if they bite you i described bad shit happens. as horrific like well, yeah like as the horror guy like not much scares me komodo dragons legit scare me like they can break your fucking femur with their tail and then like will fucking uh bite you and then you they just let you go and you're like fuck i'm fucked but i guess i better run away from this komodo dragon the best i can and then they'll, you'll go and rot. then you just yeah you just go off and die. Yeah, it's like they're prepping you. 
Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're getting dinner ready for tomorrow by letting yeah. you rot for a while. It's like you think there's a snack and just like ah, the, okay. One of the other like, gone. legit scary things that I've seen mm-hmm. is like old, and it has to be black and white. Black and white definitely helps it be scarier. Okay, pictures of like uh, uh, gorilla fighters or or. Uh, dudes with a machine gun but like very poor mm-hmm. like with hyenas on a leash with a with a muzzle like okay. seeing you know what i'm talking about yeah that's horrific to me because there's nothing scarier other unless that was a komodo dragon on a leash <laughs> yeah that's like the most horrific thing i don't know i think komodo dragon on a leash would actually take away from the scariness. Not if it, the Komodo dragon was like, this is my boy right here. And he was totally cool with the one that was holding the leash. Because that's what these hyenas look like, dude. Yeah, but that's the, they're dogs, essentially, right? So you, it's not... Have you ever seen someone walk their iguana on a leash? It doesn't look cool. <laughs> so I think the leash would actually detract. Now, if he had two Komodo dragons just off leashes beside him, just ready oh yeah that's, that's what, scary that's what walking dead should have done dude you know how they had the, the <laughs> so sh- this shitty cgi tiger no oh you haven't you know i thought you were talking about michonne with her oh. her zombies no there's a dude with like with a tiger hmm. uh i'm i'm still uh at, at the train station i don't remember I'm, season, I'm kind of behind five. I'm like a half a season behind anyway uh i'm like three seasons behind but that would be you're right that would be intimidating like there's a dude just sitting on a throne and he's like just petting a komodo dragon yeah that's not on a leash or a muzzle mm-hmm. that's horrifying definitely um, you know what else is horrifying what it's fucking raining outside and it's, not just like oh it's raining it's like uh, the closest thing in the Midwest that you could get to a downpour that would be described as torrential yeah, is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And not the right time to own a pair of shoes with a giant hole in the bottom of them. <laughs> You're right. That is almost as horrifying like, as... A, yeah. To me, as, I got out to the parking lot. It is pouring down rain. And then I realized that my car is surrounded by a moat. <laughs> And I'm just like, there's, I'm not, not getting a wet sock here. Uh, so years ago, uh, I was driving, it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, Hey wife, why don't I go get a red box from down the road? And she said, that's a great idea, Russ, go get a red box. And I'm driving and it's the winter. Uh, and all of a sudden my car is very unhealthy and I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. So I pull over to a little mini mall type thing. Yeah. Um, and am able to park. I call, she comes, gets me and we leave it, sit there overnight. I leave the note on it. We'll be back in the morning or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Get my brother, right. For callback. Boom. And my dad actually come over, uh, to assess the situation. I get there and they find out that the serpentine belt had broke on me. That's not good. So that's a, big one it's what like cars with serpentine belts that's that's kind of your car yeah exactly so that's why i did wasn't getting anywhere um so brother's like that's fine i can replace it let's go spend 50 dollars and get the belt i'll replace it in the parking lot no big deal mm-hmm. uh when we get back however i also had a flat tire like <laughs> they got like just shitty luck right yeah so i'm like all right well i'm gonna come back i'll change the tire i can handle that you two work on the belt However, when we got there, 
that fire department or somebody was testing the fire hydrant. So they were in the middle of winter, they turned on the hydrant to like flood this parking lot. So it was so cold that it was like freezing. So I'm trying simultaneously to change the tire, like standing kind of behind, it was the back tire kind Mm -hmm. of behind the car. So I'm not getting this ice cold, literally freezing water all over me or Mm -hmm. like on my knees and it starts to freeze. So I'm trying to break the lugs and I can't because I have to position myself behind the car to have the leverage so that I can, it was the worst. I thought you, I thought that story was going to end in you leave, you come back and your car is a sarcophagus of ice. No, no, nothing that extreme, but it was just the shittiest of luck. Uh, I remember back when I worked at GameStop, uh, the only time I was ever late to work there, I was like two hours late to a four-hour shift, which is great, <laughs> because I walked outside, uh, and my car was just, there was an, like an inch of ice over the whole fucking thing. And Was that when we had that huge thing and like... It was kind of beautiful in that all of the trees and everything literally like had an inch of ice around them. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was a while ago. Yeah. This was, yeah. Nature's beautiful and scary and destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and makes me fucking late. Like, probably wasn't knowing that, you know, it's a minimum wage job going to do a two hour, two hours late to a four hour shift. Like, I probably didn't even make my gas money back that no, day. No. Um. A little update on my Netflix game. Okay. That I've been playing with my wife. Remember the drowning incident? Mm-hmm. That's really kind of put a hamper on this game. <laughs> because uh, it's kind of turned into... So, like, you would watch... If the, any of thing was going on down in real life, there could be a moment where somebody pulls a gun out and shoots the cop, shoots somebody, shoots themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and they've kind of opened that door up to like, I'm a little bit concerned at each point that there's just not going to be like a shotgun suicide or something <laughs> like they, they responded to a woman on a bridge, the suicidal woman on a bridge. And she's legit on the opposite side of where she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the cops are trying to talk to her and they've got their arms wrapped around her. And the one cop it puts a handcuff uh, attached to the guardrail. And you see him, he's like slowly trying to get the handcuff on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and having not seen the drowning thing, you know, this is going to work out fine. Right. Yeah. So you can watch it and be like, you know, this end game is her being okay. Mm-hmm. But they threw that wild card into the fucking <laughs> thing. So my wife and I are like, we are done. If this woman, jo- if we're watching this woman commit suicide, we are, d- I am not doing this again. Like, yeah. And they got her, they ended up wrestling her over the thing, and it was a good story, mm-hmm. you know. But now, but, you, but now that, 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 that fear is there. Like, yeah. It was not enjoy. It, it, if I was going in knowing that they were saving the woman, mm-hmm. I was fine. Yeah. Uh, it's like The Walking Dead. The fact that anyone could die at any time yeah, makes yeah. every like time, yeah, there's, oh, look, a little zombie. I bet this will be okay. Nope, you can't think that ever. No. Uh, so that was, it's really kind of, ch- it's made, it's raised the stakes <laughs> of our little game <laughs> for sure. That's great. Uh, it's really, really, I think taking it away a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, another Netflix one that kind of relates to the show a little bit. Okay. Uh, I'm not uh, a reality show guy at all, but 
there's a reality show on Netflix that I just finished the first season of, and I really enjoyed it. Okay. It's called Shot in the Dark, and it's basically, you remember Nightcrawler? Yeah. It's basically real life Nightcrawlers. Oh. So it follows three of these dudes, mm-hmm. uh, the, their industry term they use is stringers, uh, and they're Jake Gyllenhaal. In Hopefully it. less creepy. Um, they are. So they're real people. Obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal is a, a character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they kind of address at points those things. Like you have to desensitize, you know, a way a real person would. You have to desensitize yourself a little bit. Of course, you do it. And then the catch 22 of you want to see something really good. So you hope for a good victim, quote unquote. Yeah. But you don't want an individual person to be hurt. Mm-hmm. But you need it in order to pay for your bills. Yeah. Um. And I'm sure, just like every other reality TV, there's a degree of fakeness to it or whatever. But I really enjoyed it. I go to reality TV purely to see fake drama or fake competitions. Like, we watch MasterChef. Love it. Um, but, like, my like self-indulgent reality shows, like... Uh, I remember a few years ago, I watched four fucking seasons of a show called Parking Wars, which was just, it followed three different, uh, um, like, tow truck companies <laughs> and, like, meter maids and shit. And, you know, there, you know, there'd be three segments usually, and you would see, like, oh, here's the meter maid, you put sticking on there, and then, like, they get into a row. And then now the dude has to go pick his car up from the, the tow truck. So now let's follow the dude to the tow truck place. And then now let's follow him to court to fight the ticket or whatever. And uh, just dramatic nonsense. And it was great. I didn't need to see four seasons of it. <laughs> but I put that inside me because I'm a garbage person. Yeah. Uh, I've had those moments before. Like, why am I watching this? And then I just have to make the decision to cut it off. Like yeah. I've had some stupid games on my phone, right? And I like just make the decision, like I need to get rid of this game. This is not improving my life. When yeah, well, like all. when you click, when you like every day feel the need to just just log in to get that login bonus, and then not interact with the application at all. Uh, I'm just like, uh, I haven't done that. It's been more like I feel like I should go to bed, but I can't get past this little level of the stupid racing game or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about right now, since you brought that up, a game that I started playing this weekend that is amazing. Okay. what? Let's start at what system are we talking about? Uh, for the, the phone. Okay. Android, iOS. Okay. Uh, it is a brick breaker game that's like a genre, you know, like uh, Arkanoid and uh, I think it was just called Breaker. I'm envisioning. The, all right. So go back to like. Windows 98, like where you would use the mouse to move the little, the little ball that bounces on stuff, the bottom. Yeah. Okay, like a, that's what back in like Atari days. Sure. Yeah. But that, so that's the genesis. That's, that's, that's the genre. genre. Okay, good. But this like updates it and like, uh, so the bricks have different like denominations. Like you have to hit them. They tell you how many times you have to hit them to make them go away. And then like every turn, um, it goes down a little bit. And if it goes over the line, you know. It's a game called Hold Down, and it's got like an upgrade system, and it's got like a, a progression. You're like mining different things, like you start on a moon, and then you go to the planet, and then you go to the sun. Um, and so those are great, and you want to get to the core and destroy the core and upgrade all your shit. Uh, 
But all of that is just practice for the, like the endless mode, which you mine a black hole. And it's just endless, and it is fun, and I dream in this game now. That's like, a, there's like a medical term for people that dream about Tetris. Like when you play Tetris, yeah. you dream about it. Yeah. I remember when I first started working my first job in uh, development, uh, I remember waking up one morning when my alarm went off, and I was like, but wait, I haven't programmed my left leg yet. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. It was a it's a weird thought like as you're waking up and then you realize wait, I just had that thought that makes no sense. And that's what that's what wakes you up in the morning. <laughs> Good sense of what the fuck just happened. <laughs> I think I live perpetually in that state. Yeah. Yeah. Um wanna talk about Tales from the Hood? Let's talk about Tales from the Hood. Uh so do we how do we do a synopsis for I Tales mean, from the Hood? I mean it's an anthology. It's an anthology. Okay. So uh a a funeral director tells some thugs some stories. Nice. Overall thoughts? Uh, great. I loved it. It's so fucking awesome, right? It's like, great. So so here's my Tales from the Hood story. Uh, so Tales from the Hood was one of the VHSs that we had as a kid. Okay. I hadn't watched it for years. Years. Probably 20 years I haven't seen this movie. Okay. Uh, it recently came out on a, on a nice Blu-ray. I got that. Uh, I was able to... Get a copy that's signed by a bunch of people. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is called Tales from the Hood. I'm obviously remembering this being good because I have X number of VHSs to watch as a child. Mm -hmm. This has got to be garbage. And I rewatched it for the podcast, and I was like, this might be my favorite anthology. It was wonderful. I loved it. Starting it off with a showstopper. Uh, I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I guess they just made a new one? Yeah, that was going to be one of the things. It's 23 years later. It comes out in like September or October. Is it like the same people? Same director, yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that? That's yeah. pretty awesome. So I'm stoked. Um, so let's talk about this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that you liked it as much <laughs> as I did. It sounds like. Uh, so we have three thugs that mm-hmm. are going up to a funeral home. Uh, yeah. And they're having uh, kind of some like witty banter. Like yeah. just regular... Regular friends hanging out banter. Except with a lot more motherfuckers. Uh, with, a, <laughs> with a lot more motherfuckers. Uh, the, uh, well, b- before we even start here, mm-hmm. one of the credits uh, says the producer was Roger Smith. And I was like, the dude from The Cure produced this? <laughs> oh, no, that's Robert Smith. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, that was another level of like mind blown. Uh, I, I never listened to The Cure growing up. And so my reference for Robert Smith is the Robert Smith robot from South Park. I don't know that. Yeah. I used to have a Robert Smith impression, and I'm not going to do it without. I feel like I need a catalyst of a Robert Smith song to hear, and then I could do it. It's great podcast material. Thank you. I can tell you about <laughs> voices that I'm not doing. Uh, over the credits, there's they're, they're pulling up these three three dudes three gangsters are pulling up mm-hmm. and there's like this huge rap song, huge rap song, this hardcore rap song playing. Right. Yeah. And it's music composed by Christopher young. Who's the guy that did the Hellraiser score. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, that's hilarious because he obviously didn't write this rap song, mm-hmm. but it's right over it. Uh, so we've got this witty banter mm-hmm. between these three friends yeah. and they're talking about uh, killing somebody twice. Yeah, the, he says like one of them is scared to go in because he doesn't want to mess with any dead motherfuckers. Like, what if, 
what if they like try to grab him? Yeah. And the other one says, "We'll just you got your you got your gat on you, right?" It's <laughs> like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, then just kill that motherfucker." <laughs> He's like, "How do you kill something that's dead?" And then then my favorite thing happens is he's like, yeah, man, that's like refried beans. Why don't you just fry them right the first time? You don't have to refry them. It was great. It's wonderful because it's a funny joke, but also it's because this is not the context. Like when you see these three guys in movies, Mm -hmm. they are not talking about refried beans and and busting each other's balls or anything. They are being badass thugs because you only see them in when they're inside the funeral and yes they they have to yeah when they're look th- tough and yeah. everything in front of the the dude when they're working yeah right you see them in work mode mm-hmm. um you don't see them busting each other's balls no and i really enjoyed the refried beans <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so we meet our funeral director mm-hmm. who is fucking awesome right yes he is incredible i love him so much fantastic crazy guy uh his look is amazing. His mm-hmm. performance, everything about it. The funeral home is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, like the production value on this movie, some of the special effects, especially right at the end, are rough. But the production value throughout the rest of this movie is pretty impressive. Yeah. The the art direction and the the set direction, fantastic. It yep. looked it looked live in, lived in uh, and reverent and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he... They're, they're there because he is going to be selling them some drugs that he found. He found some in an alley. Yes. Uh, the shit. Yes. The shit. Uh, shit. <laughs> what? What is the shit? Ah, uh, yes. The shit. <laughs> uh, so he shows them some corpses, right? And the first one he shows them uh, takes us into our first story. Mm-hmm. And our first story is Clarence, Clarence this political, uh, who, by the way, the the actor mm-hmm. uh, is Clarence Williams the third, that does the uh, the funeral director. Okay, uh, it's a couple of Clarences for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, black people could be named Clarence too. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Remake Me podcast. Uh, so uh, you get Clarence, who is a an activist. He's a social uh, black rights activist, right? No, Clarence is the cop. I'm sorry. I apologize. He's a rookie. He is a rookie. Uh, he is there with three white cops. Mm-hmm. And they, they pull, up pull over. Uh, they pull over a black rights activist mm-hmm. who himself is black. Um, probably a politician, probably like a DA or something. Maybe. Yeah. Cause they, I would they say more talk, DA, yeah. yeah. I mean, DAs are technically politicians. They're elected. Yeah, I suppose. Um, depending on the, the place. So, uh, and they're, uh, giving him a hard time. One of the dudes is wings Hauser. Um, this whole group. And one of them's the, uh, dude from sons of anarchy, uh, Michael or Boone jr. Michael's Mark Boone jr. That was him. Mm hmm. That's the one. Wow, he looked super young. Yep. That's what happens 23 years ago. He he was the reluctant one, right? He was the reluctant one that went along with it, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, that's him. Um, wow. So this whole group uh, is, is th- this, this whole movie is, but especially this segment is really strong acting. Yes. Um, and these white cops are beating him up. Yeah, they, they break his taillight. He's like, why did you pull me over? They break his taillight and said you had a broken taillight. And then 
talk about you're putting you're putting all these cops away and he's like yeah dirty cops and he's like you're putting good cops away and he's like i'll keep putting dirty cops away uh you know i love good cops but they'll you know you dirty cops stealing drugs i'm i'm gonna put those guys away yep uh and reluctantly clarence is sort of becomes entranced in murdering this dude yeah, he, like, the three of them uh, escalated and started beating him up, and then the rookie, Clarence's partner, sends him to run the license plate, mm-hmm. and that's when he realizes who it is, and then the, the computer says political agitator, Yeah, which is weird. I don't know if that's, like, the notes field I would, that they filled in. I assumed in. it was, yeah, somebody was typing that. That's the equivalent of, like, you know how when... Uh, Restaurants will get in trouble because they'll write like something horrible, like bitch was screaming brats or whatever, like in the description of the table. Yeah. I feel like that's the cop equivalent of that. Yeah. Like uh, someone who works in software notes field is definitely very handy, uh, but can also get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he's runs and then that's when he realizes who it is. And he gets out and says, hey, you know, he tries to stop it, uh, but they say, we're going to call him an ambulance. Yep. And so his partner and him takes it away, and he's like, we need to report them. And the his partner is like, those are cops. We don't, we don't rat on cops. Yep. And you kind of, they do a good job here of justifying why Clarence wouldn't immediately be narking on them. Like in his two minute speech about brotherhood and cops. Yeah. um, You know, he says at some point you're going to screw something up and you're not going to want us to report you. We have to stick together. Right. And in that little tiny thing, that's always the crux for anything like this. You know, any, any movie where you accidentally murder someone or somebody gets killed and you have to justify why they don't act on anything. Mm -hmm. This real little, uh, uh, speech from his partner does a really good job of justifying at least for the time being why clarence wouldn't act i mean it can't fucking be more relevant than yeah. it is today mm-hmm. for sure like crazy how well I, you know me from some fucking privileged white guy like uh it is so bad uh, white cops on treating black people today that shit like of course that shit's been going on since the beginning of fucking time uh and it's fucking awful but those yeah, cave nothing people, white new. cops. Those what? Those white cavemen cops. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Wingshauser ends up piloting this vehicle into the bay. So he he uh, injects him with drugs, yeah. so that he's he's got drugs in his system. They plant cocaine in the back of the trunk. I'm pretty sure it was heroin. They I'm pretty sure he puts heroin into drugs. his. I, and puts heroin into the bag. I don't know drugs. It was white and one was in a syringe. Yeah. You don't inject cocaine. No. But that's why I thought you cocaine can, was what I thought cocaine was in the back in the trunk. No. That would have been heroin. It was white powder. Cocaine is very white. Heroin is kind of an off white, sometimes mm-hmm. brown. Uh I think this is an example of you saying you need to know everything because mm-hmm. I guarantee you've never seen heroin. Not in person, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't know what something looks like. <laughs> I've never seen a Tasmanian tiger. I could pick one out of a lineup. Mm. They have those at the zoo, too. 
You should get out more. They're, they don't. Because sure they they're extinct. What? Not a Tasmanian devil, a Tasmanian tiger. Oh, okay. <laughs> the last one died in captivity in like 1938 I 100% was with Tasmanian devil right there, bro. A <laughs> uh, 100% Tasmanian devil. Okay. Uh, uh, you made me snort. Um, so, but here, here's the incredible thing. He manages to drive the car standing on the outside of the car. He was standing on the, like the the lip, like yep. the little floor there, and put it in neutral and went down a hill and steered it and then jumped off. Uh, incredible. I mean, I've seen it. It wasn't into uh, a river or anything, but I've seen like my stepdad do that. Really? Yeah, I feel like that's a man thing. Like, I feel like men can do that. I bet your brother could do that pretty well. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> Your brother would look in that. Yeah, that's just a that's just a person. Yeah. That's what a person does. <laughs> and you're just like, that was impressive. <laughs> Didn't know that could be a thing. Uh, I still think it looked harder than what you're making it out. I know. I'm not saying it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. I think you just double most negative men are better than us. wrong somehow. What? I think you just double negative yourself so that I sounded like an idiot. I don't know if I double negative myself. That may or may not have happened. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely trying to make you look like an idiot. Okay, well, that's what I, <laughs> I was definitely telling you that you look like an idiot. Okay, good. <laughs> so we're on the same page there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he ends up dead. And then we flash forward to a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clarence ain't doing so good. Nope. Uh, he's been off the force for a wee bit. And he's been on the bottle for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boozing it up pretty good. He's hanging out at the graveyard. At the yeah, he he goes to the mural, and the mural tells him to bring them to him. The mural's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty awesome looking mural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up take meeting the cops, uh, the three, his former partner, and the other two, at uh, the graveyard, and that uh, that's been his job. So they're like. You need to shut your mouth, Clarence. And they decide basically they're going to take care of Clarence, too, because he's going to end up getting him in trouble. Clarence says, just come visit the grave with me. Yep. And he's like, if you, if we come visit the grave, you'll keep your mouth shut. And he's like, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go over there, and Wingshauser decides he's going to piss on the grave, mm-hmm. uh, followed reluctantly by Mark Byrne Jr. Yeah. Uh, and uh, at this point, uh, the political uh, agitator uh, <laughs> ends up... Reaching up. Uh, the dead political agitator. Yes. That's key word. Uh, rips off dude's balls and like starts pulling him into the grave, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the reaction here because the police officer just starts shooting the headstone. Yeah. So he shoots the headstone like 10 times. So what else do you do in that situation, I guess? I, I, mean, le- I, my, I was like, that's stupid. But then I was like, eh. Then I was like, at least fired into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But he doesn't want to hit the cop because he just got sucked into the ground. Maybe. I'm not saying the headstone he was, was a good scared. idea. Yes, exactly. That's, a, <laughs> that's Until you're put in that situation where uh, a political agitator uh, that's been dead for a year reaches out from their grave and pulls you in, you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how you're going to react. It's Who true. are you to judge? Who are you to judge? True. <laughs> I've never seen a friend pulled into a grave by the dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you, when you do, you let me know how you react. I will. Okay. Uh, so we end. Uh, where where do we go from here? 
so he rises and uh, basically has switched places. Mark Boone Jr. is now in the coffin, and he's behind it. Uh, so two remaining white cops run off uh, into the police car and make their getaway, and they drive off, and they're safe, right? They're safe. Yeah. All That's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except they turn around, and he's just meandering mm-hmm. after them. And I think this guy does an awesome job, both of being a like a respectful uh, political dude, right, and being a zombie. He gets like no screen time. He has to make like a Martin Luther King s speech, mm-hmm. uh, be beat up by cops, be a victim, and then be a zombie. And he nails all three. I think, I think he does <laughs> triple threat. Uh, and he like does this in a way that makes it somehow not terrible he's able to teleport somehow yeah <laughs> like uh and he ends up right on the back of the car uh but it's really well done i love it mm-hmm. um so they end up back at the mural he rips uh other guy's head off yes so it's just down to rookie's partner yep uh who bring who he uh fired into the zombie at the gravesite. And then pulls out a second gun at this point and fires into the squad car, which makes it blow up. So he's dead. Again. Dead, dead again. Yep. Um, but we get this like Jesus Christ-esque uh, moment. Yeah. Uh, in which uh, he is crucified with hypodermic needles. Yeah. With dirty street needles. Uh, and killed, but then he ends up kind of going, turning into the mural. Okay, uh, I will say that this is the one part where I, I I take issue with the actor. Okay. Is his, I'm about to tele, telepathically oh, make yeah, yeah. needles sure, sure. movements. Yeah. Make needles shove, like yeah. fly at he you. He does turn into It a, was a little weird. He turns into a zombie. But uh, how do you play a zombie wizard? just not that way though <laughs> but i get what you're saying but he definitely turns into zombie wizard yeah uh like zombie magneto yeah but not as cool as magneto yeah uh neither ian uh, mckellen nor uh i have forgotten his name michael fassbender uh and then again a kick-ass mural like that's legitimately awesome yeah. like he melts into the mural yes uh and is apparently trapped with uh What's it? Stonehouse? Morehouse. Morehouse. Trapped with Morehouse forever. Um, so that was segment one, right? Well, then, okay, it goes to the twist of the segment, mm-hmm. which is uh, Clarence gets locked away in an insane asylum. Yes. And they're like, he murdered three cops. And you're like, did he murder three cops and was hearing voices? Or was there actually a zombie? Mm-hmm. The world will never know. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe we'll know in Tales from the Hood, too. Maybe. Uh, so thus ends segment one. And at this point, when you were going into Tales from the Hood, you were mm-hmm. expecting Leprechaun in the Hood, right? Like you were expecting, I mean, you were expecting yeah. goofy I was bullshit. Ex- yeah, I was expecting z- goofy bullshit. Where is your mind now when you're watching this? Like, because this is obviously. I, mean, I from refried beans I was in. Yeah, but I meant like I'm not thinking. I'm not, I'm not 
going over my expectations and rejudging them again. So, so I'm just engrossed in the movie, which means that it was good. Yes. Uh, so, so here's where I was going with that is, so now we've had a, one segment and mm-hmm. we have discussed uh, uh, the system. Um, the wraparound. No, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the bigger system of um, the black community oh, regarding okay. drugs and the police and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we, throughout the film, we touch on a lot of segments of, uh, you know, the African American plight and what exactly it means. Yeah, living in the hood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's why I where tales come from. <laughs> uh, also, the zoo. What? T-A-I-L-S. Tails. I thought you meant the zoo is in the hood. Are you calling black people animals? Is that what you're doing? (laughs) That's not what I did. Uh, So we go back to our wraparound, and we end up diving into segment number two. Yes. Segment number two. Segment number two is the classic uh, kid is... Uh, bullied and can draw things and either make them come to life or affect the real world through his drawings. Yeah. I feel like everybody's done one of those. Sure. All the big anthology shows sure. and stuff. Uh, and I agree. Um, the teacher is the director. Okay. So that gives you a thing. Uh, he wrote the, himself as a complete idiot. Uh, <laughs> the big thing with this, though, uh, this segment, because it, it, it is pretty straightforward, but mm-hmm. David Allen Greer does an awesome fucking job as being a douchebag, yeah. abusive boyfriend, uh, father figure. So, like, what is he, like, this is in living color time, right? I was 1995, 1993, yeah. Yeah, so he's just goofy-ass David Allen Greer. I, I mean, that's kind of all I've ever thought of him as. Sure. And the fact that, he was given this opportunity and I think did well in it. Yeah, is, he, I couldn't, you couldn't have asked for more. Yeah. I think that the fact that the kid calls him monster mm-hmm. and that he legitimately has a tattoo that says monster yeah. is a little too on the nose. Yes. Uh, but what he does is great. I can't complain. Like, I would never think that I would want to see David Allen Greer be a badass abusing a kid. I want to see him beat some more kids. I've never heard of a child abuser described as a badass. <laughs> he was a real badass when he took on that eight-year-old. Really showed him what for. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they let us bet on people, I would bet on David Allen Greer versus that eight-year-old. Really? Mm-hmm. The eight-year-old versus the adult. <laughs> You're going to take the adult. What can I say? I'm a Yankees fan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, but that was a sports joke that I didn't know how to make. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty straightforward, but I think done as well as you can ask for, especially with David Allen performance. Yeah. Uh, segment three. Oh, we're talking. We're skipping over it already. Oh no, I, I thought you. Would I mean, of- I, the the teacher's an idiot. The fact that he's in that house and doesn't realize that, of course, it's the fucking stepdad or mom's boyfriend or whatever. Uh, you don't think that he and antagonizes that? it. If so, he's an idiot in one of two ways: either he doesn't know that David Allen Greer is the perpetrator, or he's not smart enough to realize that he is antagonizing him. So he's an idiot in either scenario. Just what kind of idiot? Okay. 
Uh, and I thought when he folds the paper and his arm just goes rubber and snaps, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like he breaks the legs or whatever, and that was okay. And then twists the body, and that was kind of cool. But then putting it all together and showing it, like he's just like a puddle on the floor, and he's still holding the the pan and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was like uh, I think you I th- I think you lost everything you won here by showing this. Think so? A bit. I it's like signs to me. Okay. I don't show you. the I, alien. I get what you're saying there. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I agree, but I understand what you're saying. I respect that position. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Big winner of that segment, David Allen Greer. Yeah. Even though he wound up a burned up pile of bones. Twisted. He, he did. Which I think the actual burned up pile of bones that we see when we come back from the segment mm-hmm. looks pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had we not seen Puddle of David Allen Greer and just seen that, thumbs up. Puddle of David Allen Greer. Yeah. I like it. That's my new polka band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, segment three, we end up going into. And this is where we see Duke, who is running for governor. Yeah. Corbin Burnson. Um, Third baseman in Major League. Uh and this is proto-Donald Trump? I mean, <laughs> he's David Duke. That's why his name is Duke. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he is a very... Uh, I was trying to think of a better word than racist, because that's too on the nose. Klansman? Uh, <laughs> might be a little on the nose. Uh, but yeah, he's legit a former Klansman that's running for governor. Yeah. He bought a old plantation. Yeah basically just to rub the nose in the black community Mm -hmm. and is doing the racist thing where you pretend to be shocked that people think that you're racist for being racist. Yeah. That's his whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The big winner of this segment, in my opinion, is his political advisor. Sure. What do you mean by big winner? Like best actor or? Yeah. The the, the one that I loved seeing the most. Yeah. So he's got a black political advisor or coach or whatever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's teaching him how to respond to these things. Right. Uh, and to he's, press questions about to, the plantation and yep, yep. his, you know, slavery, ancestral background and things like that. Yep. Uh, and in this room, there's a giant mural where it's uh, an old woman sitting with a hundred little dolls. Was I wrong or did at some point they say that there was 12 people? Because I feel like I remember the number 12 and then there's way more than that in the mural. I don't recall that. I'm sorry. Hmm. But then there's also there's way more than dolls than there are dolls in the mural. But Yeah, there might be. Um, but my favorite moment mm-hmm. in this comes when he is coaching him and he says something about being spooked. And he says, like, the only spooks I'm afraid of are the ones buying for the carry guns or whatever, right? Yeah. And the dude laughs at himself and he's like, Jesus... I've been around you too long. So it's like this African-American dude that is very clearly like, I am helping you get elected and you're right. a piece of shit and I don't like you, but you're paying me an exorbitant amount of money to make it worth it for me. Mm-hmm. And you can like, just in the short period of time, you see him wrestle with that. Yeah. Uh, and resign himself to the fact that he sold a soul to Duke. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. Yeah. Because a, uh, a little doll trips him. Or is it just a there? 
He just backs up and doesn't. Re- he's the, just an idiot and doesn't realize I mean, there's a stairwell the, there. It completely positioned himself. The dog positioned himself there to trip him to mm. come down the steps. Maybe. Uh, what I think, because we talked about how uh, the first segment is just as relevant today as it was then. Uh, I found it funny. The you know recent news about Amarosa and all this stuff. Uh, she turned down trump's gig to be paid ten thousand dollars or uh i guess hers was fifteen thousand a month damn it i was thinking that they were paid the same much amount of money but they're not that whole thing in my brain that just formed is now gone well inflation does that help your joke sure yes inflation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 1995 dollars yeah exactly (laughs) which are actually still i think what everything's measured in Everything's measured in nineteen ninety five dollars. I know it was at least five years ago. Still, really, yeah, weird. Them Clinton dollars, yo. Hmm. Uh, I watched a clip recently. It was like news things, mm-hmm. like news bloopers or whatever. And there was one. It was like at a baseball game, and George W. Bush just walked behind like the newscaster and like kind of did a funny face in the in the camera, like he's just carrying a beer and just like an average. <laughs> Joe douchebag like getting a beer at the baseball game that stopped to like pause at the camera. Yeah. And it was George W. Bush. That when, feels exactly like him though. <laughs> when was that? Uh I don't know when. Because I mean, you know he owned a baseball team. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it could have just been the owner hanging out. It could have but like it this was like in the stands. Like it looked like he's going to his seat. This wasn't Gotcha. Anyway. Uh <laughs> I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. Yeah. Or recently. I haven't been able to watch it. I don't yeah. know. And the Sox have been real shit. I could talk to you for so long about like the year 2000 Cubs if you want to. I would rather talk about the White Sox, but sure. <laughs> like if there was, this isn't a joke. If there was, I'm sure I can, like I'm sure I could subscribe to something, mm-hmm. but I would legit rewatch that 2000 year Cubs. What was Bartman year? 2003? What is it? The Bartman year? That's not me. Do you, do you know what Bartman, who Bartman? Nope. <laughs> I, I totally Bartman like, I is the latest it. curse. I followed it for like two years. Oh, no, oh yeah, that's, so the, the, that's yeah, the fan. Game, that's game the fan. six yeah, that's of... The fan. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, game six of the NLCS, yeah, I believe. I know what you're talking about, for sure. Uh, And, yeah, Moises Alou goes up and Bartman reaches out yep. and... Yeah. I think that was 2003, so 2000 was even before that. Was Moises Alou even on the team then? No. Okay. Who was on the team in 2000? Mickey Morandini, Joe Girardi, Greg Maddox, Kerry Wood, uh, Mark Grace. Uh, Joe Girardi is a coach now. Hmm. He coaches the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that, did Kevin, did, uh, did Mark Grace pitch that year? No. Well, I mean, no. he never was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. He was always a third baseman. But no, sometimes no, no, when no, it was... No, 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 Mark Grace was a first baseman. I knew him as a third baseman. Mark Grace was the first baseman for the Cubs. Okay, and maybe he, maybe he was in 2000. Um, I know very, very little about baseball, but the year that I know, like, I remember that year. Okay. Uh... But I know that he pitched some innings, like when they were up like twelve nothing, oh, or probably. down twelve nothing. Sure, 
they would bring him out, bring him in to pitch, like just as, t- as a lark. Yeah, <laughs> like you guys can't even win against our first baseman. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've heard of them doing that too. Like when they run out of pitchers, basically. Oh yeah, they're like, we got nobody left. I guess you're pitching. That that's gonna happen more, um, either like in a big run up to the playoffs or in the playoffs, uh, because you know arms are tired. Mm-hmm. Or like shit, it's the twenty first inning. Yeah, exactly. That's when we yeah. have nobody left. Yes, exactly. Yep. So it's like the designated hitter <laughs> has to go out and pitch. <laughs> I thought you were a Cubs fan, man. There's I know, no DH I get in the end. I get it. That was, it was funnier if I went to designated hitter. <laughs> okay. uh, so these dolls have the souls of former slaves trapped in them. Yes, th- there was a slave revolt escape. Uh, and to punish the slave master, uh, killed them all, hung them, uh, and uh, buried them in a mass grave. Mm-hmm. And because they were buried in a mass grave, their souls couldn't go on. So uh, this old lady uh, made all these dolls so their souls could go into the dolls and then move on. Yep. And we end up with some pretty cool uh, stop motion of some dolls chasing after Duke. Yeah. With uh, varying degrees of success. Yeah. Sometimes it looked a little dumb, but yeah, but it was fun. But it's 1995, so you you forgive all that. Yeah, it's fun, and uh, and this so so far we've had uh, we talked about the first segment. The segment st- segment uh, is kind of child abuse and the 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 not present or the abusive father, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you have like the uh, the past oh. and how you deal with the past and exactly what degree of of uh, respect and obligation and, and 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 what slavery means in the current political climate and dealing with uh racial issues right now and it's very mm-hmm. for being so dumb and a horror movie like there's a lot to it it's, oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm i'm sure that uh being you know someone black with a voice was not lost on the writer-director here, and he made every bit of it that he could. Oh, and I think he pulled it off. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Duke gets his comeuppance from yeah. our dolls. Yep. By, like, billions of them. I'd say R.I.P. Duke, but I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> our N.I.P., right? N? Not. Not in peace? Yeah. Maybe. Figured that I feel like there should be a better one there. R.I.P. comma N. <laughs> Not. R.I.P. period. We gotta bring we gotta bring that back. Speaking of nineteen ninety five. Not. I'm having a good time. <laughs> Not. Uh so I we, love that movie. Um we come back and I had a tough time coming up with exactly what I wanted this double feature to be mm-hmm. because in my mind at first the dolls segment was the last one okay. and then we were going to watch a movie called dolls about killer dolls okay. but it wasn't the final segment so i thought that would be a weird like in my mind the transition worked yeah uh also so i was wondering dolls. if this was like an answer to do you remember the little penny ads no uh penny hardaway penny anthony hardaway no idea what that is uh he was on the magic when Shaq was and they were like the big duo okay of the 90s uh and so I don't remember. I, th- I assume it. I th- assume it was Reebok, or I assume it was Nike. Maybe it was Reebok or Adidas or somebody. 
um, they have these little penny ads, and it was like a marionette Anthony Hardaway, uh, and the the little doll that he had just kind of looked like it a bit, and you're like an evil version of it. Oh. And I was just wondering if that was if those ads had any. It might have been that. if it was in the social conscience, it might have have taken it. Yeah, just in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, we get our fourth and final segment, uh, not really fourth. We get our wraparound still, but the fourth segment is gang culture basically, right? Mm-hmm. So it talks about gang culture and you get, uh, uh, this gang banger and he is driving and he sees rival gang members. So he goes to shoot out with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up going to best him, but he gets arrested in the meantime, right? Uh, so he, yeah, he has a gang member. He shoots and kills him. And then three, uh, uh, three others see him and mm-hmm. start firing and shoot him yep. and are about to kill him. Yes, when the, the cops, the police, come and kill all them. Which there are a billion cops there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, got a good response time. Yeah, which seemed really odd to me. Yes, uh, but it, maybe it's not. Mm. So, uh, we basically go clockwork orange here. Yeah. So we clockwork orange this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up in a room alone where he basically has to, and this is very much where you get the... Where we don't get an epilepsy warning. Yeah, it's bad, right? <laughs> it's like 10 minutes <laughs> of just a strobe light. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> and you get all of these people coming from this guy's past and saying, you killed me, why did you kill me? This wasn't necessary. And then you have the actor um, who... Had, so at one point they lay him out and he's just wearing a banana hammock mm-hmm. and they put like a a clamp right on his dong. Yeah. That had to have been an uncomfortable day for that dude because then they're spinning him in a circle like a, yeah. Yeah. Rough day for that actor. Um, yeah. And it's him trying to justify his life of violence and gang activity. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's pretty it's it's on the nose but it's but it doesn't need to be clever either cuz it's literally the same dialogue that i've seen watching all those prison shows we talk about right where yeah. you get somebody that's saying i don't care it's about respect blah 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 yeah uh and it it ends in fuck you i'm not going to change mm-hmm. uh and i think the it has come out today like the the verbiage would be toxic max- masculinity and that's what it is like uh, when he's first brought to the research center, he's put in the cell and there is, um, like a white power guy there who's like, Hey, uh, I hate them. And I don't even know if I probably shouldn't say it right now, uh, even quoting him, but he's like, I hate y'all, but, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a war happening and the only ones of y'all that are going to live are the ones that fight on our side, that turn on your brother, your brothers, and then we will enslave you, but you'll get to live. Uh, and so he's saying all this, and he's like, come here. And the guy's like, I'm not coming there. He's like, what, are you scared? And then that's what brings him over, and it's that kind of masculine bravado. Like A lot of this is just like, oh, yeah, they're just fucking kids, because they are. And so, like they're playing men rather than being men 
And I think that's where the the toxic masculinity kind of comes in. And I think that this is very much showing that. Yeah. Uh, And so when I said it's on the head, I don't want that to sound like a negative. The monster tattoo is on the head in a negative. This, I think, is just straightforward. Yeah. Um, Unabashed. Yeah. Um, Until we get the twist here. Yeah. Which is what? That... uh, the three men didn't get killed by police. Nope. Uh, they killed him. Mm-hmm. And these were basically like his last thoughts or whatever. Yep, exactly. So he basically, like on his deathbed, he was trying to decide, do I regret my stuff? Mm-hmm. Nope, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, and then they were immediately gunned down by uh, some of his crew. What do you mean? Wait, no, no. They couldn't have been gunned down. Because who are they? Because they are our refried bean trio. They're the refried bean trio, but they're alive. But wait a minute. That means they're not alive. Mm-hmm. So who's the funeral director? Satan. The devil. Uh, and I loved the gap in his tooth like yes. the whole time. I kept uh-huh. like, that is awesome. I'm glad that they cast this guy to be that. Mm-hmm. And then like his CGI tongue comes out of there. I was like, perfect. <laughs> Fucking perfect. Uh, so I think the actual CGI here is very 1995, Yes, but the practical effect of him as the devil is mm-hmm. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Like that tongue is pretty shitty looking. It looks like, uh, cool world. J- it looks like cool world or Jafar's tongue from Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, but the actual makeup effect of like his big ass horns and stuff looks yeah. pretty awesome, dude. What didn't look awesome is like... Yes, the the fire comes up and the three of them just do the Harlem shake, basically. <laughs> he just stands there and shakes his shoulders around. It yeah. was ridiculous. There's like, I'm on fire, so I'm jiggling. <laughs> That's how you know I'm on fire, bro. So I jiggle when I'm on fire. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. The, the fire jiggling was not great. Uh, but I don't... I was amazed watching this movie how much i loved it because in my mind i had written it off as being something that i enjoyed because i was a little kid i love this movie it was great did it It was was wonderful um i think it uh is entertaining it's it's a weird balance of like entertaining and fun but it has a meaning and a message and it's real uh but it's not overbearing and it's not exhausting to try to watch it's like the perfect balance of of a movie Mm -hmm. um we watch a lot of movies on here a lot of which I don't like, but a good portion I do like. But there are very few that I would just be like, I would totally watch that again, and it's good. Mm-hmm. Not, I would watch that with a bunch of people because it's so bad. This is legitimately one of them. I would totally watch this again. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I'm super stoked for this dude that he got the chance to make another one. Yeah, that's I'm, awesome. I'm very, very excited about that one. That should be one of them that we try to do like Definitely. quick because I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh but also scared to be disappointed. <laughs> um, so you know that I do a lot of audiobooks, right? I have a commute. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently, uh, there's a book by uh, an author. I know you don't follow a lot of stuff, so I doubt you've heard of him or this book. Uh, it's a gentleman by the name of uh, Stefan King. S- Stephen King? Stephen King. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's a book called Pet Cemetery. Okay. So it's... You know what? Actually, I have heard of that. Kind of obscure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the first time, there's like an audiobook available, and it's Michael C. Hall doing the audiobook. So okay. I couldn't believe that there hadn't been an audiobook of this. Uh, and I'm reading it right now. I really like Michael C. Hall. Did you Yeah. Did you watch Dexter? Yeah. Okay. 
But it's he's probably not Dexter to you, is he? Because um, to me, it would be Dexter reading Pet Cemetery, and I think that would be cool. Uh, I mean, I knew him before that. Exactly, but he's. I'm sure what. I don't remember his character's name. Was it just Michael? I don't, I've never seen the show. On uh, Six Feet Under? Yeah. Uh, David. David. So is he David to you? Is he Dexter? No, he's Michael C. Hall. Okay. Um, so he's reading. Uh, can I give you a little snippet of him reading this? Sure. All right. Let's see if I'm ready for this. And as Lewis watched... One of these flipped up and over like a manhole cover, and a white worm oozed out. The tongue's tip skittered lazily on the air, somewhere below where its Adam's apple should have been. Okay, that's all I wanted to show you. That's fucking Dexter reading Pet Sematary. It's Cemetery. the slowest fucking reading ever. Holy shit. I have to read it as twice the speed because he is so slow at reading, dude. I loved that. It is painful to listen to him read that that slow. Uh, I loved it. Oh, uh, and he's done a good job at double speed, but I couldn't like at first I kept looking at my phone trying to figure out if I'd fucked up and put it on half speed or something. No. Slowest reader ever. Cause he's Michael C. Hall. It's <laughs> what he does. Uh, yeah, that was it. That was, I just had to complain about that. It's like if you're going to hire the Micro Machines guy <laughs> as Dexter, it's not going to work out. Is, is he known to, for speaking slow? Did, am I, should I have expected that? I mean, that's he. That's just how he talks. He's, he's very methodical in his speech hmm. and his patterns. And I bet that especially because it is an audiobook for Stephen King that he's affecting a little bit oh, of that Dexter voice coming in yeah. so he's getting into character you're going way too fast bro <laughs> <laughs> i was doing a cross between mm, okay i put it on half speed and it was like it was like putting you to sleep <laughs> like i f- you could legit fall asleep i can legit fall asleep to anything so um so yeah uh i'm enjoying it at double speed but it was i really thought my phone was broken when <laughs> i was trying to do that um yeah uh second movie Second movie. Tales from the Dark Side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anthology. Uh, Joey Lawrence's little brother is trapped by a witch by uh, De- Debbie Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open and he is in her pantry, which mm-hmm. is all basically a little dungeon. Yes. Uh, and she is going to eat him. Mm-hmm. And she's going to cook him, uh, and he has to try to stave off to try to save himself for a while. Right. And he is going to tell her some stories from her favorite book, which is Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. It's The Thousand and One Nights. Hmm? I don't know what that is. Aladdin was one of the thousand, one of the tales of or, or the original Arabian tales. The, the tales of Thousand and One Nights is... Um, there is an uh, a king. I sorry, I don't know the, the origin, uh, but he he is a king, and I I think she was a concubine, and he's going to put her to death. But she says, "If you don't kill me, I will uh, tell you a great story every night." And so she. Tells him, I think, a thousand stories, and on the thousand and first, she doesn't have a story, and he kills her. Spoiler alert. Uh, 
I think they stole that from Tales from the Dark Side. Probably. Okay, good. So we're on the same page. Uh, so our first story mm-hmm. is Lot 249, yes. which is Steve Buscemi buys a mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can I first rattle off sure. the IMDb trivia that yes. I got? Yes. Uh, this is a, this is unofficially, officially Creepshow 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Julianne Moore's first movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is. That's it. That's what uh, I got. So you get Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, and Christian Slater in this segment. Mm-hmm. And some dude. Uh, I love watching Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater work opposite of one another. Because they're like polar opposites, but... Somehow yeah. work incredibly well together because they're so both so unique. What was exactly their relationship? They were frenemies. I mean, I guess they were were roommates? they just roommates? Roommates, frenemies, basically. It seems like yeah. Okay. Uh, so Steve Buscemi bought a mummy mm-hmm. uh, in order to pay his way through college. That's. I mean, he says he's going to sell it. He's going to flip it. Yeah, but they had referenced some time before that he has to buy and sell things in order to pay his way through school because yeah. he doesn't have a trust fund like Christian Slater and his right. sister. He peddles antiquities. Yes. Um, simultaneously, uh, an artifact has gone missing from the school. Yes. Uh, which turns out that it was Christian Slater's sister. Mm-hmm. Julianne Moore. Uh, and because they, her see- and. Okay. So Christian Slater is Julianne Moore's brother. Yes. And his best friend is her boyfriend. Who is a jockstrap. Yes. And he and Steve Buscemi were both up for the same grant. Mm -hmm. And he had done nothing ever in his life. She wrote his essay and then stole a thing and gave an anonymous tip that it was Steve Buscemi who had stolen it. Uh, And you only see this artifact for a brief time. And I had to rewind it because they referenced afterwards what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. But at first, I thought it was either a tiny little like purse gun, or like Derringer, a dildo, like a little pocket vibrator. I mean, it's a or, fertility or, statue, isn't it? Or like a little bong, like is what it looked like, or a bowl, not a bong. Uh, Weren't fertility statues kind of just dildos? Yeah, basically. Sure. Show with splinters. <laughs> uh, so Steve Buscemi ends up with this mummy. Which I feel like, even in 1995, the price for a mummy had to have been pretty exorbitant, right? Yeah. Uh, so somehow he gets his hand on this, and then... He's been selling antiquities, man. And he goes, I've never uh, tried to preserve or dissect a mummy. I feel like him and Christian Slater, in their apartment, go about this all wrong. Because <laughs> they legit are just grabbing it and ripping it apart with, like, frisker scissors. But he doesn't give a shit about the mummy. I know, but still, if he is in, he'll know better than I am because he deals with these. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like you could get something from said mummy, right? Like, even if you don't want the mummy, you could put it on Craigslist and get something out of it, right? But he wanted the mummy. He just didn't care what the mummy looked like at the time. Yeah. Uh, regardless, that's not how you get into a mummy, bro. No, I. you also don't, like, after 2,000 years, reach into a mummy pull out just rotted stuff and go, okay, myrrh, and yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, So Steve Buscemi uh, reads the scroll that is stuffed inside this mummy. He finds the fortune cookie inside the mummy. Uh, And uh, mummy comes to life. Mm -hmm. It does some killing. Yeah. Kills boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Kills girlfriend. Yep. 
by pulling using a coat hanger and pulling their brains out the nose. I watched this movie a lot as a little kid. Yeah. So in my mind, the mummy cliche is pulling the brain out the nose. Question. And I didn't. Does he pull I, the brain out the nose of Julianne Moore? I thought no, he just, just he brother. opens up her back and shoves yep. flowers in there. Yeah, but it's the brother. I'm so, not the brother. I'm sorry, the boyfriend. Yeah, he does that with. So here's my question: Is that a trope, or do I think that it's a trope because I watched this movie so much as a little it's kid? It's genuine things that they did to embalm people. Yes, I know that, but is that the go-to that all mummies do? No, in the go-to is shambling and choking. So that's this movie's thing. That is. I've never seen it outside of this movie. And and that you're the good person because in my mind I was like this always happens in these like when I would think back to this movie I was like oh that's the one where he does the thing that they do. But I think that's just because this was my go-to mummy story. Mm-hmm. I never watched the mummy. I didn't watch those shambling ones. I watched Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. So the only thing my mummy ever did was pull people's brains out their nose. So that makes me feel better. Good yeah. for this movie. Okay. But he embalms them. I believe turning them into mummies mm-hmm. so that later they could be reanimated. Yes. Uh, Christian Slater figures out what Steve Buscemi has done mm-hmm. and he sits down and he is going to light his balls on fire. He's going to, he's going to immolate this dude. Yes. Uh, good word. Thanks. It's a horrible word, but good word. It's a bad, like that's uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Steve Buscemi's like, no, it's fine. Take here's the, here's the little scroll. Yeah, he's like, where's the scroll? He's like, I, it only worked with that one mummy. You've you've chopped him up with a turkey knife, so <laughs> we're good now. And he's like, no, I need to destroy the scroll also. So he tells him. He tells him where the Christian scroll is. Christian Slater burns it. Yeah. And then Steve Buscemi must think this is fucking hilarious because he's still laughing a week later. Yeah. Like a week later. In the back of a taxi. He's still just giggling to himself. He's like, what's so funny? He's like, oh, just laughing at my friend who doesn't know the difference between a 13th century pictograph, like pornographic pictograms (laughs) and a whatever century scroll. I totally get you to understand that joke, Cabby. (laughs) (laughs) Our Cabby is stereotypically Arabic, so he could have been Egyptian. Maybe. Uh, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, but it could have been. And then we get the uh, the punchline, which is uh, Christian Slater has those two show up at his doorstep, his yep. sister and their boyfriend, to kill him. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts on this segment? Uh, uh, middle of the road. Second best. Yeah, it was fine. okay. It's fine. I like seeing those two. I think yeah. I would feel less about it if it wasn't Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater. Yes. But it's fine. It does a fine job. Yeah. Uh, we cut to, we go back to the wraparound segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a little more, more back and forth uh, with those two. And he convinces let him tell another story. Yep. And then we get what even as a kid, I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> and it was a terrible story written by George Romero. Dolls are better than cats. Absolutely. This is just an evil cat, and the only redeeming factor in this whole thing is when the cat climbs in and climbs out of the the so this hitman gets hired to kill a cat. You know who that was, right? Who? It's the singer who goes feeling hot, hot, hot. You know that song? Yeah. So they actually make him say hot, hot, hot in the segment. Oh, I didn't know. Because he's uh, he's doing uh, he like when he's in the kitchen or something, and the cat attacks. And he, like, gets really pissed off. He's like, all right, don't get hot. You can't get hot. 
you're no good when you're hot. I was like, they made him say hot, hot, hot. That's great. I, I have no idea. I had no idea. Uh, but he gets a cat going down his throat and coming out, and that looks awesome. But yeah. other than that, this is a totally throwaway segment. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore because even as a kid, I hated it. Hot, 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 and uh, throat cat. Uh, and everything else sucks. awesome old man from the 90s. Sure. That old man and the dude from Breaking Bad who became the awesome old man of the 2000s. Uh, Mike? No, the the guy with the bell. Oh, man, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, okay. he showed up at the very beginning, like in a flashback. Okay. Yeah, it was the old guy with the bell. You know, you. I was a, bored very early into this one, this so I may have not, not seen. No, I'm well aware. Uh, however, the only reason that I wanted to watch this movie is for this third segment. Because this third segment is my favorite of any anthology segment. It it was I legitimately really good. Love the vow. Uh, and I I saw apparently it's based on an old uh, Japanese legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a ghost in Japan traditionally because they're obsessed with ghosts for some weird reason. Yeah. Uh, so what's our segment? Uh, so down on his luck, painter. Is at a bar because his agent just, or he meets his agent at a bar. His agent drops him. I think he's more than a painter. He's an artist. Okay. Because uh, he does he does uh, a 3D sculptures and stuff. Okay. Uh, so he's the, this bar. The agent drops him. He's down on his luck. He's whatever. James Ramar. Yeah. Speaking of Dexter. Uh, you know who that? That's Dexter's dad. You know that, right? I, he looked familiar. It's Dexter's okay. dad. Yeah. At first, I thought, when I first saw him, I thought it was Harry Connick Jr. I could see that. And then I was like, this guy looks a lot like uh, Dominic Moynihan. Don't or not, not Dominic Moynihan. Oh, is that the guy from Lost? No. That that name that I said <laughs> is, yes. <laughs> I was uh, like, I don't see that at all. <laughs> the guy from The Wire. Uh, the guy looks like a ball sack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, McNulty. I don't remember his name. Uh, Nick McNulty? <laughs> McNulty is his name, his character's name in The Wire. I don't remember his name. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay, now I totally get that. Because the whole time I'm like, it's, he's not either of those people, mm-hmm. but I recognize him. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, it's, harder, I didn't, it's harder because he's 20 years younger. Yeah. I didn't get on IMDb, be, uh, or I, I did just to look briefly, but you know, it was like this segment stuff, so I didn't want to spoil myself just by yep. actors and stuff. Um, so... He goes out back to take a piss because apparently this place doesn't have a bathroom. Well, no, they're leaving. They're leaving. They're shut, closing yeah. down for the day. Still funny. Don't don't bring logic into my jokes. Okay, but here's the thing: the bartender even says, "You just pissed inside. Why are you pissing out here again?" And he says, "It goes right through me." Whatever. <laughs> so he's out there with the bartender. Suddenly, there's a gargoyle. That kills the bartender. An awesome fucking looking gargoyle. Yes. That rips off the bartender's head with one swipe. Mm-hmm. We awesome. get head removals in, in both movies. Yes. Uh, and then he's like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And he's like, okay, I won't kill you if you promise not to tell anyone about me. You don't know what happened here. Don't describe me. Nothing. Uh, and he's like, do you promise? Sure. Uh, and then he runs off and 
runs into a woman who thinks that uh, he's trying to rape her. And I'm immediately... To be fair, he gives her every indication yes. that he's going to do something horrible yes, to her. Yes, it is a dark alley, and he grabs her and shoves her against the wall and, and puts his hand her, over her mouth. Qu- yeah, and don't say anything, be quiet. Right, and then when he's like, no, I'm not trying to rape you, I'm just trying to get you to like, come to my apartment. <laughs> even even somehow rapier. Uh, and th- but the whole time, I'm just like, that's the gargoyle. That's the gargoyle. That's the gargoyle. It is totally the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, guess what? It was the gargoyle. It is the gargoyle. Um, so this woman, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely one of my first crushes in life. All right. Definitely also my first African-American crush. Okay. Um, and I think this was even like before it was sexual for me, um, where I'm just like, she is so pretty. <laughs> like yeah. I very, very much distinctly remember like how exotic looking and pretty i thought she was dolly parton was that for me definitely i mean not the exotic looking (laughs) obviously dolly parton was my first like (laughs) probably not sexual in any way crush because i was like dolly four or five whatever arian (laughs) you just described her so my mom always made fun of her that i just liked her boobs yeah which might be true i don't know sure but i was a kid so i wasn't thinking of them that way yeah exactly that's the way i felt about this woman so uh i figured out you know how I always try to figure out what your theme of these are? Mm-hmm. It is black people turning into winged creatures. Okay. <laughs> it's very specific. You nailed it, I guess. Yay! Uh, so we get uh, these two form a relationship. You see them fall in love. They mm-hmm. have kids. The agent's there. The agent references uh, his kids as the spawn of hell. Okay, yeah. Um, things are going great for them. They're the happiest. They're so in love. They have this amazing life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and spoiler, by the way, because this is a great segment. <laughs> Justin already sk- uh, spoiled it. Um, it's their 10-year anniversary of the night they met, and he's yeah. like, let me show you this. I made this sculpture of this gargoyle. Well, he he's like, let's move. Uh, let's, let's get away from the city. Let's go to the country. And she's like, uh, what are you trying to do? Are you, you know, you've already given me everything. Like, there's nothing you can give me that I don't already have. Mm-hmm. So let's just be happy wherever. And he's like, well, there's one thing I've never given you, and that's the truth. Yep. Uh, and it's kind of heartbreaking for both of them. Like, okay. you, Go ahead. I want to tell you about my watching experience. Okay. Uh, he says, There's well, two options. Either you're going to mock me right now for saying it's heartbreaking, or you're <laughs> going to tell me you weeped at the, at the plight of the gargoyle. Uh, let's go with C. Uh, so I am watching this and, uh, she's, he tells, he tells her, he confesses, you know, that I made the sculpture of what it looks like and this is, this is what it, and this is the truth. And, uh, she's like, is like, why did you do that? You broke your vow and, uh, transforms into the gargoyle. Which again looks fucking awesome. Right. And then, uh... He's like, no, no, and he trips over and like looks back, and his two kids are there, and they're gargoyles, and uh, like she grabs him in close, and he was like, I loved you, and she was like, I love you too, but you broke your vow, and then the DVD just kind of pauses, <laughs> and it pauses for about 10 seconds, and then Paramount logo... <laughs> ending 
So I'm just like, what the fuck? So I, I take it out and like I look at it in the light. It looks fine. It's clean. I don't know what's going on. I give it a, a wipe anyway. Put it back. Same thing. So I'm like, fuck. All right. I take the DVD out. I put it in the case. And I'm like, this has to be on YouTube. So I get it on YouTube. And like I was like, this it's this stupid thing, but I was totally into it. Yeah. So uh so I finally get up to YouTube and I fast forward and uh I loved you. I loved you too, but you broke your vow and I'm like, okay, I'm right here and literally she just bites his neck and like he's dead and like that's the end. I'm like, wait, that's what I missed, that's it. Like I saw everything except like the two second bite. Yeah. Um the uh the creature I think looks great in this. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, the creature is K and B, uh, which is um, Greg Nicotero, okay. um, uh, uh, Robert Kurtzman, who did uh, Wishmaster, yeah, um, and uh, Butler Baker Parker. Uh, whole point was it's Robert Kirkman, so I feel like this is a very like Wish Wishmaster is very gargoyle-y. Like I feel like he. Use Wait, some of that. Robert Kirkman, as in the writer of The Walking Kurtzman. Dead. Kurtzman, I'm sorry, Kurtzman. Okay, Kurtzman, sorry. Uh, okay. Anyway, that was a little fun thing. Uh, I love the vow. It's my favorite anthology segment. Um, it was really good. I think it's done awesome. I think the gargoyle looks fantastic. I think that is a zinger of an end. Um, that uh, did did it ruin it? Knowing the whole time. Um. I, I don't know. Like, I knew it was coming. It's one of those things that, like, it, I feel like it, tele- it telegraphed itself. Yeah. It's hard for me pretty to pretty quickly. I would have seen it as a eight year old or whatever. So, right. of course, I didn't see it coming. Um, like you see it coming, but you, it, I don't think that took away from the yeah emotional punch of a woman transforming into a gargoyle and needing her husband. Yeah. Uh, then we get our closeout of our, of our wraparound. Which I also had to watch on YouTube. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so le- legit as a little kid. So she has like these giant, giant needles. Those needles legit scared me as a kid. Like she was going to s- cut them open and stuff them and sew them back up with those giant needles. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ends up eating it on those big needles and, uh, falling into the four foot deep oven herself. Like this oven yeah, it's exist. special made child oven. Uh, it's the well, it's the same manufacturer as the microwave from Microwave Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I tell you about a weird detail I noticed in both? Okay, and I, if this is a reference, because this was 1990, right? And then yeah, I think so. Tales from the Hood was 95. If this is a reference, it's the stupidest reference ever. But I noticed it. Okay, the padlock. That ties that uh, is chained uh, the Lawrence kid to the wall. Mm-hmm. I think is the same padlock that chains uh, Killer K or Super whatever his name was in the fourth segment of Tales in the Hood. And it's not like this is a padlock you see everywhere. It wasn't like a master lock or something. Yeah, it was a weird specific looking padlock. It's probably not, uh. but. They looked the exact same. It might have been. That freaked me out. That's weird. 
I don't know why my brain because I because I remember seeing it in Tales from the Hood and be like, that's a weird looking padlock. Yeah, and then seeing the exact same one in Tales from the Dark Side and being, that is that an was that an homage in Tales from the Hood? That can't be I right. I think it was an homage. <laughs> it's a weird homage, right? <laughs> I think they would just like stick a gargoyle in the background or something. Yeah, I don't think that was an homage at all. I don't know. Uh, so uh, here you have my favorite uh, anthology segment and maybe my th- favorite anthology. I think that uh, I'm going to lay that claim now. Tales from the Hood definitely wins my favorite anthology, but my favorite segment is The Vow. Cool. What's you, the best? I'm sorry? Which movie? Tales from the Hood. If Tales from the Hood is my favorite anthology overall yeah then it would beat that one mm-hmm. not necessarily you could say it's my favorite anthology but like the vow overtakes it so much i don't know i, I don't think it was completely a foregone conclusion okay i'm also tales of the hood yeah uh hood. i'm so excited about two i just really? learned it existed yes and that i like the first one yes so your anticipation factor is a little lower than mine <laughs> so, good uh next week next week first movie yeah uh talked about these before yes this this is the third time i think we're doing these yep uh well, and you're not you're not putting it in a game well third time definitely for the first one uh yeah. trick or treat trick or treat it is the uh rock opera weird demon story or something mm-hmm. good so that one and uh trick or treat good with an R, not yes. an or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which one are you gonna like better? Probably trick or treat because it's probably going to be stupid and trying, like honestly trying. Mm-hmm. And trick or treat is going to be uh, trying and probably a tiny bit competent, but still really bad. So the bad, bad. Okay, sounds like a good prediction. That 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 is my guess. Nice, Justin. What else you got for us? Whoa.